Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we are convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Colin Packer. century ago that Orville and Wilbur Wright were finally successful in getting their flying machine off the ground. Wilbur piloted the gasoline-powered contraption for 59 seconds, covering a distance of 852 feet. Uh, Take that in comparison to the Mars Perseverance rover pictures we've seen, right? But the beginnings of it, thrilled that they telegraphed this message to their sister. Catherine, We have actually flown 852 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. So Catherine hurried to the editor of the local newspaper and showed him the message. And it said that he glanced at it and said, how nice, the boys will be home for Christmas. He missed the message. The incredible act that they had done. And today we're told that the Wright brothers not only launched the aerospace industry on that day, but also develop steering techniques that are still able to be used in in the 21st century, airplanes, spacecraft, submarines, and robots. And today, a little would we know the advancement that would happen since then. A whole new world has opened up through the Wright brothers, but few recognized at the time of their flying machine what would be possible or what had changed in civilization as a result of their act. See, every story has a turning point, a a climax, an all-important moment where the conflict begins to be resolved. And this morning, we have come to that turning point in the story. After 21 weeks of journeying through the Old Testament, we have finally arrived at the birth of Jesus. Jesus is the turning point in the story. I know many of us have heard this story before. In fact, every Christmas or Christmas Eve, you may go to a a service and and hear the story told again about the birth of Jesus. But I would encourage you to listen carefully again this morning because there were very few who recognized the turning point that was occurring when Jesus was born into the world. And there are many today that still need to hear this message and be reminded of the impact it continues to have. Let's pray as we open uh, our Bibles this morning. God, we thank you for this story, a story that has changed everything in our world. And God, yet uh, in the midst of us acknowledging the turning point it is in history, sometimes we miss the impact it can have on our lives. We miss and are forgetful of how this has changed everything for us. And we, we, we forget to have the same longing that they had so many centuries ago that Jesus would come because we long for the same thing today, 
Perhaps this last year has uh, reminded us that this world is not our home more than many years before. And then we long one day to be in that restored new heavens and new earth with you. In whatever way that will look like, we trust that you will renew and restore all things. Before that can happen, God, our prayer is that Jesus would come again. So this morning, God, as we open to this story, this occurrence that happened centuries ago, may it meet us today in the midst of our needed hope this morning. I pray this morning you'd pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, the four gospels choose to handle the birth story of Jesus in very different ways. The gospel of Luke, for instance, tells the story of the shepherds and the angels about that manger scene of uh, the announcement of Jesus and the good news to the world. We read Matthew's account and at the beginning, it sounds a bit different. There are magi from the East who are following a star and they come to King Herod who doesn't know that another king is gonna be born. And he alerts King Herod and King Herod uh, orders that all these babies would be killed in Bethlehem two years and younger. The Gospel of Mark doesn't give us details about the birth story of Jesus. He just starts right into the ministry, right into the wilderness as John the Baptist is baptizing people in the desert as he pronounces the kingdom of God. But chapter 22 that we've read this week actually starts not in any of those Gospels. It starts with the Gospel of John. And John 1 is a very different birth story than Matthew and Luke. And that's where I want to focus our time this morning you noticed that difference between John and those other stories, John's story doesn't quite make it into our nativity scenes and Christmas Eve services as often. John's gospel doesn't talk about magi and shepherds and angels and a King Herod so much. It doesn't tell the story of Jesus' birth in terms of earthly circumstances in which it takes place. Instead, it speaks of the coming of Christ from a cosmic perspective you can imagine a football field, those, those seats that are close to the field, and there's the press box view, and that's the view that John takes of this gospel story. John is more preoccupied with the question of why Jesus was born into the world than how Jesus was born into the world, and both are incredibly important. It's important that we know the how and the details of the earthly circumstances, but it's also important that we get a different picture of why Jesus was born into the world life-changing truth is found in both of those questions. But I think it's important, like those Wright brothers in the message that was sent years ago, that we don't miss that message this morning. The coming of Christ is significant for so many reasons. Jesus didn't come to start a religion, we find out in the story. He came for much bigger reasons than that. I want to share three of those reasons that we find in the Gospel of John, that first chapter. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, feel free to open there to John chapter 1. Uh, or if you have your copy of the story, it's chapter 22 at the beginning of that chapter that we read about this. But the first reason Jesus came that John reveals is that Jesus came to reveal God to us. Jesus came to reveal God to us. Now, the words we often use to describe God are, are, are words that describe what God is not. We describe him as immortal. He's not human. Or he's described as invisible. He's not seen. He's described as infinite, not limited. And yet God in Jesus Christ becomes human. He becomes seen and he even chooses to limit himself in an effort to tell us exactly what God is like in a language we can understand. 
the person of Jesus answers the question, what is God like? And isn't that a question we've been asking for the last few months in this story? Here we read about the father interacting through, through prophets and through people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and these messengers. Who is this God behind this story? Jesus is the show and tell of God. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to reveal who God is. And this week we read about that in the Gospel of John chapter 1, the first part of verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now, on first hearing, that's a strange way of speaking about the birth story of Jesus. Not near as clear as this baby that's born to Mary and Joseph. The word made flesh. See, in our world, uh, words are symbols, right? They represent other realities. If I, if I say to you, red fire truck, those words signal some image in your mind of things that you've seen before. I can say a word and you're going to have an idea or an image that comes to mind. That's not what is meant, though, when Jesus is referred to as the Word. See, the people for whom John wrote his gospel were heavily influenced by the Greek philosophy of those days. And the Greeks believed there was a divine intelligence or force that was behind everything in the world. They called this force the Logos, which is translated in English as Word. Another way of reading John 1.14 would be to take this into account to say this logos, this divine intelligence, this force became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In the coming of Jesus, the most powerful entity, the most po powerful intelligence, the most powerful force was becoming personal, accessible, and knowable like never before. You know, you've heard the phrase before in those movies, you know, the Star Wars movies, the force be with you. May the force be with you. That's why May 4th is a significant date for some families around here. The force in Jesus has a face. It's Jesus. I like the way the message version talks about his coming to earth in John 1:14. It says it this way, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Now, when I see that phrase moved into the neighborhood, I can't help but think of a story that I remember hearing years ago about Albert Einstein when he moved to Princeton in 1934. Everyone who got to know him was amazed at the kind of man of simplicity that Einstein was, even with his brilliance. And it was said that he could often be seen on his front porch just reading as people passed by. Well, one day, a woman who was his neighbor was horrified to discover that Einstein had been helping her 10-year-old daughter with arithmetic homework every afternoon as she would stop by his house on her way home from school. Seemed like a great resource, right? So the mother scolded the child for bothering this great man, but the girl replied, but mom, he likes me. Besides, when he explains about numbers, I can understand. The man who had conceived of the theory of relativity came across to a 10-year-old as a loving man who was making sense out of the confusion of elementary mathematics. He spoke her language. And when Jesus comes to earth, this is exactly what Jesus does. No matter how brilliant he is, even though he was there at the beginning of creation itself, he's able to put into simple words and actions exactly who God the Father is. Yes, Jesus reveals who God is to us. Second, Jesus came to reveal us to us. 
all of us have walked into a dark room at night and we flip on the switch, at least when the electricity is working. That's not always a, a, a sure thing as we saw last week. But when we do that, one of the, what's one of the first things you see in the window? You see the reflection of the window in the window of the room that you're in, right? It's the same way with Jesus. He's, it's, it's not just that Jesus is the clearest window into who God is. It's that Jesus also reflects back to us what we are meant to look like. John 1 verse 4 says it this way, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus' life was meant to light up the world around us to give us a picture of what we are to look like. Jesus is the only human being who has ever lived who bore the image of God fully and completely without any distortion whatsoever. So what that means is that Jesus is the definition of what it means to be human, fully human as God created us to be. Now, we, we tend to use this phrase a lot. I hear it in songs sometimes, I'm only, only human. It's as if it's this excuse for us to live as less than the full reality God meant for us to live. I like the phrase fully human better. Actually, to be human is a, an incredible task. It's an incredible opportunity. And Jesus puts on display for us what our full humanity looks like, what it would have looked like prior to sin entering the world and what it's possible for it to look like as the Holy Spirit forms us more into the image of Jesus. And so, yes, like we said with point one, Jesus reveals to us what God is like. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says that Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. But Jesus also revealed what humans are created to look like. His life was a light for all of us. And he turns on the lights for us in the midst of this dark world. So instead of bumping around in the darkness of this world, wondering how we're to relate to things like money and sexuality and fear and power and worry, conflict and suffering, he turns the light on for us and he teaches and shows us how to relate to all of these things the way we were meant to all along. This is one of the things we think is really important about discipleship at Greenville Oaks. We talk about this as our, our vision, that we want to be a part of mentoring and helping people trade the pursuit of artificial success, pursuing artificial things we think will give us life so that we can find actually the life of abundance that Jesus taught us all about. That's what Jesus said he came to do. In John 10, 10, he says, there's a thief who comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. But why does Jesus say he came? He says, I've come so that you may have life and have it to the full. And when he says that, he's not just talking about life beyond the grave. Eternal life for Jesus is something that begins the moment that we enter into this relationship with Jesus. There's actually two different Greek words that could, Jesus could have chosen or that John could have reported to talk about life in the Greek language. One is the word bios. The other is the word zoe. Bios refers to being biologically alive. That's not the word that John 10.10 uses when it refers back to the words of Jesus. It uses the word zoe. And, and zoe is a reference to energy, vitality, about a quality of life. So when you talk about someone being the life of the party, you're, you're coming back to that Greek idea of zoe. Or when you talk about someone working a lot and making a lot of money, but not really having a life, zoe is what you're saying they lack. See, Jesus didn't just come to, to, to save our souls for eternity. He came so that we can also taste zoe on this side of the grave through learning how to live life the way Jesus lived. 
He didn't just come to give us a fire insurance policy for life beyond the grave. He came to show us the path to life before the grave so that we can live while we're still alive. So Jesus came to reveal us to us, to show us what fully human looks like. The third thing I want to share with you this morning out of John 1 is that Jesus came to restore us to God. Look at what uh, John 1 verses 12 and 13 says. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus came to make it possible to live in such an intimate relationship with, with God that we can be considered sons and daughters of God. How many of you have heard the story of Father Damien before? Anyone? It's a remarkable story about a, a priest who lived in a village on the Hawaiian island of Molokai. For decades, the, the village had been quarantined to serve as a leper colony. And for 16 years, Father Damien lived in their midst. He learned to speak their language. He bandaged their wounds, embraced their bodies that no one else would touch, preached to hearts that no one else shared the gospel with. He organized schools, bands, and choirs. He constructed a home that so the, these lepers could have shelter. In fact, he built 2,000 coffins by hand so that these lepers could die with dignity. Father Damien was not careful about keeping his distance. He did nothing to separate himself from his people. He dipped his fingers in the same food bowls along with the patients. He shared his pipe. He did not always wash his hands after bandaging open sores. He got close to the suffering. But then one day he stood up and he began his sermon with two new words, we lepers. It stunned the crowd. Now he wasn't just helping them. Now he was one of them. From that day forward, he wasn't just on their island. He was in their skin. First, he had chosen to live with them. And now he would die with them. And from that point on, they knew he was all in. In every sense of the word, they were in this together. And it's said today that on the village, the island of Molokai was transformed from a place that everyone knew they would die to a place where people learn to truly live because of Father Damien. Father Damien's inspiration was none other than the one and only Son of God, Jesus Christ. So far, everything we've read in the story up until Jesus has been about God seeking to engage in relationship with humanity from a distance, right? We've been reading stories about these messengers and people who had these visions and, and the law that was handed down and, and the divided kingdom. So far, God has been distant from humanity. But in chapter 22, as the New Testament opens, in Christ, God came nearer than ever before. He sent Jesus to live as we live and to die as we die. But even more than that, he sent Jesus to take on our leprosy, our sinful condition. And because of that, he ends up dying on the cross on our behalf. And because of his life, his teachings, his death, his resurrection, our world can now be transformed from a place to die into a place to truly live. Yes, chapter 22 is the turning point of the story. But it's more than that. The birth of Jesus is the turning point, not just of the story that we're reading in scripture. It's the turning point of all of, of human history. 
Think about it. The greatness of Jesus is testified to every time you open a newspaper or at least scroll to the date on that newspaper. Every time you get a, a pay stub, every time you have to sign your name and, and, and write down the date that you signed it. Today is February 28, 2021. We find our place, this date in human history based off how far it's been since Jesus came and walked on the earth. Jesus is so significant that you can tell human history by two eras, BC before Christ and AD after his time here. Everything that has ever happened in our planet falls into one of those two categories. He really is the turning point of human history. And if we'll allow him, he can also be the turning point in our own lives. I'm sure that for many, there's nothing new or novel in the message I've preached this morning. It's a reminder of a story that we tell every year around Christmas time. But I also want us to be mindful this morning of Paul's words to Timothy about the changing moment that happens as a result of Jesus coming into the world. Listen to this in 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. Or as Corey Ten Boom once put it, we can celebrate 10,000 times over Jesus being born in Bethlehem. But until he's born in our lives, it won't make much difference. I still remember the moment for me that I made that decision to follow Jesus. It had been stirring in me for a while. I remember growing up as I watched people enter into the baptistry over the years and make that decision to call Jesus Lord. But for me, it occurred on March 13th of, of let's see, what would it have been? 1997. It was my 13th birthday. I figured it was easier to remember my baptism date if it was on my birthday. And I was entering my teenage years and I decided this was the date I was gonna put on Jesus is Lord, and I still remember those closest to me gathering around that baptistry in San Diego, California, the place where my dad preached. And on that day, what I was doing was I was making Jesus' birth not just the turning point of history, I was making it in my own life, the turning point in my life, that into those teenage years that I was walking and whatever would come ahead of me and whatever years would come in the days ahead of that, what I knew was that this was the turning point. This was the moment where things were changing for me, where I was committing to give my life for the rest of my life to Jesus. Many of you can remember back to that moment in your life. And maybe others of you, you haven't quite made that decision yet. And I want to let you know, if you haven't, we're so glad you're here. We're glad that you're on your journey in the place that God has you. But my prayer is that over the next five weeks, as we journey through the story of Jesus, that for those of us who've made that decision, who've been baptized into Christ, that we would be reminded, we would be recommitted to this life that has changed everything in, in human history. People saw that he taught with authority. They saw that he was the son of God. They killed him, in fact, for believing and claiming such things. But then on the third day, he was raised up. And so five weeks from today on, on Easter Sunday, we're gonna get to celebrate the resurrection as we'll read the story of the resurrection the week before. I'm excited for the coming weeks getting into the story of Jesus once again. And my prayer is that if you've not made this decision yet, that you truly will consider this again over these next five weeks as you're coming into the story of Jesus. Maybe this will be the year. Maybe this will be the time where you'll make a decision to put your faith in Jesus, that you'll be baptized into Christ. This will be the turning point, not just in human history for you, but in your own life. Let's pray as we close our time this morning. Father, I thank you I thank you so much for Jesus who has turned history on its head, who has turned our lives as well.
in different directions. God, my prayer over these next few weeks as we lead up to Easter would be that each of us would consider the place that Jesus ought to have in our lives. God, we thank you that he revealed who you are to us because we wouldn't know as clearly who, the, who you, the Father, is if it weren't for the Son, Jesus, who showed us in practice on planet Earth. And God, we're grateful that he revealed to us who we are, that how we live and the sins that beset us, that isn't how we have to continue to live, that the Holy Spirit can transform us and that we can live fully uh, human as Jesus taught us to. And God, he also came to restore us to you. And my prayer is that each of us would find that in these coming weeks that we'd recommit our lives to you and find the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the early church that we'll read about even long after that in the story, that we'll find that that same power is at work in us for those who believe. So I pray this morning, God, that you would do whatever you need to in our lives, that you would remind us through Jesus of the good news that has changed the world and it would change our lives as well. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. I'll be standing now as we close this morning. I hope you'll be reminded this morning of the good news that Jesus brought, that Jesus came to reveal to us who God the Father is, that Jesus came to reveal who we are and who we can be, and that Jesus came to restore us to relationship with God. May you, my brothers and sisters, generously share this good news, this abundance with those who do not yet know it yet. Go in peace today. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Connect with us on Instagram. You can find and follow us there at Greenville Oaks. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.